Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Barbarian Lover by Ruby Dixon. This was originally published in 2015, but please note that we are reviewing a copy, a complimentary copy of the Berkeley Special Edition, which is out in July of 2022. And this is the third book in the Ice Planet Barbarians series. That's correct. This is the Sentient Dildo series. Yes. The blue aliens with the Sakui. For those who could forget. (laughs) I don't know who could have forgotten. Like, who could forget? No one can forget that. Um... All right, let's read this book jacket and then let's get into this book. I have a lot to say about it. Book jacket. As one of the few humans stranded on the ice planet, I should be happy that I have a new home. Human women are treasured here and one alien in particular has made it clear that he wants me. It's hard to push away the sexy flirtatious Ayahako when all I want to do is grab him by his horns and insist he take me to his furs. But I've got a terrible secret. The aliens who abducted me are back. And thanks to the translator in my ear, they can find me. My presence here endangers everyone. But can I give up my new life and the man I want more than anything? Okay. The terrible secret she's holding is not the fact that the aliens um, are coming back. Because she tells several people... Because she's not an idiot and she's not endangering the whole colony. It's her responsibility. We're like, even if they killed her, the transmitter is still putting off signals. Right. Like, it's her, her being alive and present is not the problem. Yes. She is harboring a different secret that I absolutely hated. Yeah. So... So, uh, I think we say this every time. We're not even going to try to do be spoiler-free here. No. I mean, these books have been out since 2015. If you want to read them, they're still on Kindle Unlimited, I believe. So, you know. What's hilarious with this one is the text that we received in the complimentary copy, the first 60% was this book. The additional 40% was, like, just an epilogue. Yeah, and the book that the part that was this book maybe took me an hour and fifteen minutes. Right. So there's just like there is no way to talk about these without getting into spoilers, Alan, because they're so short and the plots are so consistent. Right. Right. I mean, yes, you're correct. So her gigantic secret, if you well, want to turn but- right now. Why don't we do our summaries? Because don't you worry, I spoiled it in my summary. Okay, great, because I hated it. Okay. Uh, So for this episode, the random number that we generated was 41, and then we wrote summaries based on the summer. Based on the summer? (laughs) We wrote our summaries based on this number. I'll go ahead and start, since I know you're waiting with bated breath to find out what the heck I hated so much. All right. The best part about being stranded on an ice planet with sexy, giant, blue, double-dicked aliens and having a symbiont that makes your eyes glow implanted into your body? The miracle infertility cure snagging you the perfect faded mate, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. 
All righty. So my 41-word summary. The girl with the alien tracker in her head finally prioritizes getting it out in the third book as the weather turns terrible, increasing the danger tenfold. All the risk of timer, but with more infertility and extremely dangerous alien revenge. Correct. I hope you guys got the gist of what this book is about from our summaries. Yeah, so um, I do think we were both interested in the first two books about a relationship that wasn't formed on the basis of the symbiont, both because we were like the conflict of kind of knowing, and this is my timer illusion in my summary, that you could fall in love with someone else at any time and it wouldn't necessarily be what you wanted. You also see in this book someone who had a symbiont resonate but doesn't like their partner. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of things we were sort of wondering how they would work if they happened are present in this book. And then it ended up just being a really stupid infertility drama that was magically cured and I checked out. Well, okay. So the thing that I've just realized is kind of interesting about this book is it reminds me a lot of Anne McCaffrey's Crystal Singer series. So Anne McCaffrey wrote um, science fiction in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. She wrote them for many decades. And her Crystal Singer series is about um, a planet where you can move there and then there's a symbiont that goes into your body and um, makes it so you can live on this planet and it also like heightens your senses and stuff like that, right? So actually very similar to the symbiont. Yeah. And let's be completely honest, not super original, right? Like I'm sure Anne McCaffrey didn't come up with it. Sure. But what's interesting to me is that in that series, having the symbiont in your body makes you infertile. So it prioritizes your longevity over procreation. Which actually, interesting, kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's just very interesting. And then I, I think it really, it made me realize, like, <laughs> the way the symbiont works here is, like, so romance novel-y, so faded matesy. And the way the symbiont works in Anne McCaffrey's novel makes it so that anyone can be promiscuous. So it's, it's, um, it's a uh, romance novel in its own sense, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about birth control and all that stuff. Anyway, I was just thinking about that as I was reading this one. That's all. Yeah. So um, let's just fly through the tropes real quick. Uh, there aren't many because these books are pretty straightforward. Um, and short. And short. It's a little sunshine. It's a little sunshine grump. With him being the sunshine and her being the grump. Her secret infertility makes her think marrying anyone would be impossible and deceitful. This is like a huge historical romance trope. That we hate. That we we both hate. But I did think it was kind of interesting to see it projected into the sci-fi romance. So that was a little bit interesting. Not enough for me to like it. Correct. (laughs) They have to go on a dangerous journey trek whatever you want to call it to save society which the only reason this pissed me off is they all in this society suspected that the tracking device in that girl's head would act as like a honing beacon of some Mm -hmm. sort the fact that they did not prioritize helping her get it off sooner makes no sense 
Yeah, it's unusual. Although, I mean, I guess she was she was helping people translate and stuff. But that wasn't necessary once they found the spaceship. I mean, yeah, but you and I both think that this Deus Ex Machina spaceship is so fucking weird the way it's used in this book. I do not understand why they didn't take the entire colony to the spaceship and all of them get each other's languages implanted. I still don't understand why there are people who choose not to get the, the, their counterparts' language. The, I don't get the it. Only, I can understand, like, the heavily pregnant women not traveling or something, but... Sure. But, like, anyone who's fit to travel should absolutely have done it. Makes no sense, but I was just really frustrated that it took this long for them to be like, hey, this thing's clearly a threat, unnecessary. It makes her uncomfortable. It causes her physical pain and distress. Mm-hmm. But it takes months for them to be like, maybe we should unstaple it from her head. Yeah. As I mentioned, there's a woman who hates her mate. Mm-hmm. And she is a, a trope. Yeah, she is the other woman, also known as the evil other woman, because the other woman can never be just like another person, you know? Yep. So it, it was a frustrating part of the book. And I think what's I think what's tough, so I think we're moving on to discussion about the book. I think one of the things that was tough for me was that like there were parts of the world building that we were really interested in seeing, right? So not everyone is resonating. What does a relationship that you're not, you know, residence mates look like, first of all? Um, and then second of all, the other question that we had was like what happens after you get pregnant right like right. what happens after that do you are you stuck with this person are you truly fated mates yeah. and this book starts to answer those questions but in ways that were infuriating yes so that's what was really hard yes <sighs> so this episode is mostly going to be a meg rant shock awe surprise but i do just want to point out that this is like a really sex positive society that doesn't put any emphasis on virtue like sex for fun is something everyone pretty much engages in it seems like whenever they want to until the moment of resonance yeah i mean it sounds like there are no stis and there's no risk of pregnancy unless you're resonating right so it's it's incredibly you don't see any homosexuality at least i don't think we have so far but which, haha, LOL, like that would absolutely be there. But there has been no stigma associated with sex up to this point. And I was really frustrated that in this society that thinks, that doesn't have a concept of virginity, really, suddenly he's so fucking excited she's a virgin. Mm-hmm. In this, like, oh, yay, untrodden territory bullshit. And it's like, no, I. One of the things I like the best about this book is that was not a factor for these dudes. And yet here it is, wearing its ugly head in this sci-fi story. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about Asha. Asha is the other woman. She resonated and has a resonance mate. Um, she became pregnant and then she had a baby and the baby died. Yes. So she's got this tragic backstory and yet she's painted as this terrible, like marriage wrecker, you know, 
basically she's she's coming on to Ihaco all the time. And I I also thought this was problematic. I thought this probably this was problematic for a lot of reasons. So first of all, she gets no sympathy for being someone who's like maybe depressed and going through something. And they're not giving her any grace for like maybe she's acting this way because she just suffered the serious trauma. Yes. Right. Second of all, there's no explanation of what a resonance mate is and stuff like that. We get an explanation of what resonance is. And basically it's like at the beginning when your queen starts to resonate and you want to fuck all the time. It's basically like you go into heat, actually, which is what I don't think was clearly communicated in the first books, probably because she hadn't figured it out at that point, which I'm not digging her for, you know. Yeah, but I am a little bit annoyed mm -hmm. at the revisionist history of it all. I mean, I, I get it. I do understand why you're annoyed. I, 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 I think it would have been really interesting if we had been presented with a world where you go into you resonate with someone because the queen understands that this is the best time this is the best time in your fertility cycle and then this person is the best one to get you pregnant right it's totally a physical thing and then you're not expected to stay together but sometimes resonance mates do stick together right like wouldn't that have been more interesting as some world building yes and I am sure in the first two books, there was still like discussion of feelings of residence and vibrating after the women were knocked up. Yes, I agree. I agree. So it also isn't like internally consistent. No, but so, so I guess that's the thing too, is like, okay, so you resonate, you know, you resonate with one person one time, maybe you could resonate with someone else some other time would have been really interesting to see a society where they're divorcing sexual monogamy, I guess, from a committed relationship. I'm also, did we, do we see any examples of characters who have children by more than one individual or like yeah. more than one partner? Cause I think all of the families that have multiple children are monogamous partners and all of the parents are the same for all of them. Yes. Okay. Just double checking. Yeah. I mean, I just, obviously I'm speaking more about like a, a more speculative fiction, like a, yeah. a more in-depth world building here. Right. No, it's but not. I, I just feel like it, the, the more we get into the book and the deeper the world building gets, the more obvious it becomes that it's romance novel world building rather than science fiction world building. Yes. I'll just say that. Okay. And then the other issue I had, and I've had this issue a little bit actually with all of the Berkeley special editions. And it is that in the second epilogue, so the, the special epilogue that's written just for the Berkeley special edition, it does appear that Ruby Dixon maybe forgot some of the character development that took place in her previous yep. previously written stuff. So, for example, at the end of the main body of the novel, uh, Asha, the other woman, has a little bit of a reconciliation with Kira, the main character. By the time the second epilogue rolls around, she's still just this other woman who keeps coming on to Ihako. Yeah. So, you know, maybe in the second epilogue, 
you could have furthered that and shown that this relationship, like they're actually friends now or something like that, but that did not happen. You know, like the concept of therapy was introduced to the society. Right. Anything one like of the, that. one of the women, I mean, they're only what, 22, right? Yeah. I died inside when I remembered that. Mm-hmm. So they're all only 22. So maybe they have an undergrad degree in psychology. But none of them are licensed therapists. I'll just say that. Right. But the concept of not judging people who are probably dealing with, like, postpartum depression and child loss at the same time. Well, you would think, like, there's that. But then, okay, then the other reason that this relationship is problematic is that Ihako is super into the petite, weird-looking little human. Yeah. And so human women are obviously the most sexually attractive. I'm like, why is I, why is he not into, like, he's had a relationship with Asha in the past. And now he's like, no, I don't want one, someone of my own species. I, I to- definitely read that more as Asha is now in a committed relationship, even if we don't understand why, and he's not going to fuck with that, combined with he's met Kira and he's super into her. I, like the way you talked about Kira, whether it's her humanness or her virginity, was super problematic all around. Yeah. But I didn't see it so much a rejection of women who look like his species as a rejection of women not following the tenets of his species. Yeah, I'm, I'm not specifically talking about Ihako and Asha, although this was a good example of it here. Mm-hmm. But every time they have sex with a human, it seems to be like yeah. even better than having sex with a Sakui woman. Largely due to the lack of tail, even though that does not make physiological sense, as we have discussed. Yeah. I mean, doggy style, but also cats do it. <laughs> Lots of animals do. Horses? Most animals. Most animals. Most animals have tails. Most, most mammals. Let's just put it that way. Terrestrial animals. <laughs> Terrestrial animals. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So anyway, I don't know. I find I find that, okay, I may be reading too much into it, but, you know, that's what I do. That's, like, what I do now. But I did find that by certain readings, I think you could see it as, as um, almost being uh, racist, right? Like an example of, because they're all white women as well. Right, the valorization yes. of the the white body, the white woman's body, as being more attractive or more feminine. Yeah, um, I didn't think that hard about this. I, I just liked it on a much more surface level. Like infertility is upsetting and boring somehow. Yeah, and the parts that weren't about infertility were basically about the fact that all the women are now just like dairy cows. Yeah. It was a lot of discussions of like discomfort of being pregnant and like getting pregnant and like and I just I'm so disinterested yep. by all of that that uh, I I didn't really enjoy any part of this. Well, and it's interesting too that that the human women seem to be very into getting pregnant. Like it doesn't seem to be bothering them at all, and yet at the same time you see that pregnancy is is very difficult. And then raising a child is very difficult. These young creatures are dying. Right. You know, 
So like, yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't want to have a kid. There's no you like, moral like, dilemma about it. Yeah, like thank God I'm not resonating with someone right now. You know? Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in being pregnant literally tomorrow for the next 18 months. Right. Well, whatever. They're Which weird. they're just guessing about too. They're like, we think it's probably going to be real long. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was just, as someone who has frequently described the hypothetical pregnancy as a tumor and a parasite, yeah. I was just sort of like, ugh, out by a lot of it. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it feels feels very historical and in a historical romance even if it's not my favorite plot I can understand why it's a plot line but in this like modern woman like she's 22 and she can't have a kid and she's she's been a virgin basically because she's like I can't commit to anyone because I wouldn't be able to have kids one day and I'm like if you can't get pregnant that's the perfect time to hoe it up yeah when you're 22 and you can't get pregnant like, yeah, safe for sex and everything, because you don't want to get STI, but still. But why in this society are you worried about that? When, that again, sex without the goal of procreation is very socially valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super confusing. Didn't, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I was just annoyed that this fertility was just, like, cured. So she, if I recall correctly from the plot, as a child, her appendix ruptured. Right. And whatever happened inside of her body in that infection from the surgery and all of that led to a degree of... Like scarring on her fallopian tubes or her her ovaries or something. Like made her infertile. Right. And she's known her entire life, at least since this incident, that she would be infertile. Mm -hmm. And yes, we understand that the Kui heals all, heals a lot of stuff, but I'm pretty sure there have been like people with scars that haven't healed mm-hmm. in the text. Didn't Liz have a scar? Rahosh had a scar. Raj definitely does, but I think Liz did too, like from an incident as a child. Maybe. Yeah. It wasn't like a significant one, but regardless, like it doesn't make scars go away. So if you're supposed to understand what's going on in her fallopian tubes to be scarring, it's again picking and choosing when the rules of the world apply. Yeah. Anyway. So a quick fix that you don't have to actually emotionally deal with. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing about this book. And then I get it. It's escapist, fantasy, whatever. Like, if if you actually were trapped on an ice planet with some aliens at the age of 22, you wouldn't be all excited about it, right? Right. Um, so I get it. I get that you read this for the escapist part. And I don't know. I, I just wonder how, and maybe I'm wrong. I have not, I have not suffered from, infer- from infertility. Um, you know, I could imagine that reading this just being magically cured would be upsetting if I were having difficulties conceiving, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I don't want to speak for, for someone out there who, who does suffer from infertility and who thinks that this is, you know, fine. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Shifting gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So most of this plot is about this journey and this pregnancy drama. 
Mm-hmm. Right? There is like the small and getting the staple comms thing out of Liz's Liz. I keep calling her Liz Kira's head. And then there's this random 10% of the book that's Kira going for John McClane. Well, yes, yes. She goes and full John McClane. And one man army taking out the aliens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes no sense. No. Like, it, it Ruby Dixon, there are parts of the series I find Jer- very charming, but I'm very willing to say she does not write action sequences well. Well, there's no action either. She gets taken onto yes. this uh, spaceship, and then she she basically engages in chemical warfare, <laughs> releases a virus or something. Neurotoxin. Yeah, and kills everyone on board. Everyone. Kill yeah. them all. They all die. Yeah. And I get it. They're like bad people. They're slavers. They're rapists. Like, I understand this. But also, like, you literally just killed, like, a whole spaceship full of people. But more than that, when there's something that massive in a book, I want build up to it. Yeah. I want the planning. I want to understand what you're attempting to achieve and where things can go wrong and where they do go wrong. This just being shoehorned in as like a desperate attempt that somehow magically works and then we're back to the babies and the fucking. I was like, what is this? Well, and I'm going to tell you too, like I I was not expecting it to go down the way it did, number right. one. But also I would not have been upset if by taking out the thing and destroying it, the aliens didn't come back like that saved yeah. them and she didn't have to go on their their ship and kill them all yes like that also would have been acceptable and i wouldn't have been like angry at the plot for for not giving me that you know what i mean i completely agree and i also just have to add there's a clear setup for the next book when one of the human women gets randomly kidnapped in the middle of this book and then everyone's really angry at her for abandoning them and then that's just totally dropped clearly to be picked up in the next book but it was weird as hell it was weird they're like because there's no one else no and then there's it, it has to be one of these sacui guys who like decided to be a fucking hermit or something what well because the there's also a whole scene about how the number of people on the planet where Sakui's on the planet is off in like the census tracker thing in the main mm-hmm. spaceship. And they're seeing footprints that don't belong to them. Like there's a whole, it's very obvious she did not like run off. So the fact that everyone's like, wow, what a dick. I know, she's right? And it's like, if she abandoned you, she's gonna die. Right. She's well, they're like, she abandoned us and died. Like, it would have been a suicide attempt. Yes. What in the world are they thinking the way they talk about this girl? It was all very, like, not okay. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of issues. Um, I don't think we have to have a specific section on content warnings because I think we just went over it. I think we covered a lot of that. Okay, but is this sexy? Mm. It's blue alien sexy, okay? So there are lots of sex scenes. He's got a special spur that is like a special dildo attachment, I guess, you know? For, for her for her pleasure it's so redundant i will say though this book had a shower scene which is a first for the ice planet barbarian series primarily because they don't have showers yes but we get a shower scene yeah 
Look, there is a lot of sex. If you think that these books are sexy, you will think this book is sexy because it's the same kind of sex that you read in those books too. Yeah. The, 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 I think the issue is like there's nothing that stands out to us. We're not like, they did this crazy thing because all the crazy stuff already happened in the first book. Yeah, it's... And, and I think the hard part is these are memorable when they're fun. Yes. And this one is about so much heavy stuff, and Kira's sort of such a wet blanket. Her okay, she's not she's not sort of such a wet blanket. Like his pet name for her is Thad Eyes. She's like fucking Eeyore. Yeah, so it was just there wasn't a whole lot of joy in this one for me. No, there wasn't. That said, Lane, are you gonna be continuing with this series? They take like two minutes to read. Yeah, sure, why not? The answer is hell yes, we are. It's not like, yeah, I'm enthusiastically picking up the next one, but I'm like down to keep going. I think that says a lot. That maybe it's a commentary on consent. <laughs> You're like, you know, I didn't hate it. It's fine. I, it's I did fine. this to myself. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet at Plot Trists on Instagram plot trysts on Goodreads and plottrysts.wordpress.com.